must say every country is, is the same. Human beings are all the same everywhere. We are just different size and color and shapes, yeah. But the heart and the mind is the same. You will always find a group of people who is so hungry, waiting for you to come and wants to learn. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a fantastic guest today. We have been trying to do this for a while, and now I've got her in front of me on my laptop. She is an amazing lady. I met her three years ago in London for the first time, and I was a bit in awe when I met her. And then I realized that she is just a lovely, kind person. She is the co-founder of Success Resources, which is the world's largest education seminar company. And over the years, they have influenced 12 million people in 37 countries. I took that from the internet. Maybe it's more, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a lot of people and it's a good thing. And I am so happy that you're here. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Veronica Tan. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me. I must apologize. I think I took too long to say, to get this moving and uh, to, to organize a time that we could do this. And um, I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to serve your audience. So ask me anything. That's wonderful. And it doesn't matter, you know, how do they say good things take time? Mm, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so... Veronica, I want to go back a little bit. We're talking about most memorable journeys. And did you ever travel as a child? How old were you when you were on a plane for the first time? Really? I I, I don't really remember exactly. But uh, when I grew up as a child, my only mode of travel is basically, uh, I was born in Malaysia. So uh, my dad works in Singapore. So we had the opportunity to travel by train. Usually it's by train that takes the whole day, eight hours, you know, to in crowded trains to get from Malaysia to Singapore. And that's about it. Other than that, the other option is by bus, which even take a longer time. So that's about my only remembrance of what my younger days I traveled. Then I think in my teens, probably we were not that fortunate that we will take holidays because I come from a working class family that my both my dad, mom has to work for a living and then we we just stay we study work hard and stay home most of the time you know and I think only when I get start when I start uh, uh, working I took short trips to maybe uh, where Phuket Bali and going to Malaysia you know it's a big thing you know those days so it, it never occurred to me to travel by plane anywhere outside because it's too expensive so that's wow. my my early childhood about travel. That's amazing. Where was your first job? Did you start working in Malaysia? No. So I grew up in, from them, I this, they, they, my parents decided that we should move all the family to Singapore. So I live in Singapore, grew up in Singapore. My first job, um, again, I didn't get to work, call it a fortune or whatever. I don't have to, I didn't get to work until when I was like, in my 20s, 23, 24, because my dad runs a entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He runs a shop that I usually stay back after school to help him out in the shop. And on the hindsight, that's where I have him to thanks for you know, uh, exposing me at a young age, the whole concept of selling 
communication, working with people, especially strangers, you know. And uh, my first job was uh, when I was like in the 21 that I worked for a government institution uh, where we are arms manufacturer. And uh, I always joke about it. So I literally selling arms, not the arms or hands and legs, but, you know, um, military equipment, you know. So that's my first job. And that actually is this, this job that actually gave me one opportunity to travel to Greece, Athens. Wow. That was, Near yeah. me. So, yeah, 40 years ago. And my first long distance trip that uh, I went to uh, air defense show, you remember? And wow, I didn't. That is so interesting. You see, this is what you find out when you start talking to people. So yeah. you, were, you were an arms dealer, Veronica. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the, your first overseas trip in your life was to Athens. Yeah, the long, the furthest I've been, longest. But when I was a child, I dreamed that the way to travel is maybe I should take up nursing and then I could travel to London and study nursing there. But it's never got planned for me and I, I didn't get to do it. And uh, I stayed back in Singapore to uh, hope, wanted to be a teacher and uh, didn't work out again and then end up being an entrepreneur now, I understand why. You know, working for my dad and working in the military institution that gives me all this uh, training to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, but you see, this is what I always tell young people. Maybe you weren't so keen on working for your dad, but I believe that whatever we have done in our lives at some point comes in handy and is useful. Do you agree with me? Totally on that. At that time, working for my dad, I didn't like it. I complained, I grumbled. But as you get older now, you look back and in hindsight, you say, thanks, dad, because those training, those were training to get you ready for today, you know. And, and, and I now appreciate that. So you are absolutely right that everything happens for a reason. It's a preparation for something bigger to come, something better to come. And you might as well enjoy the journey. Absolutely, because I think we we focus far too much on the destination, and you know sometimes we never we never actually arrive at the destination. And when you're too focused, you don't enjoy the journey. Uh, right, which is why I love your topic of your podcast. That it's it's a journey, whether it's a travel journey or life journey. Everything is a journey, a process, and That's you know. Yeah. Life is a journey. So, yeah. so let's continue on your journey. Who did you meet? Okay, of course, when I started to work, really working per se, going to work nine to five, I worked for 10 years. That was also because I decided, I made plans that if I was to do something, I stick to it. I set myself a milestone of five years to check and 10 years and maybe 15 to 20. And then, so at the 10 year, when I sort of decided to check and say, and there was a time that I met my husband, Richard Tan. At that time, and that's where, you know, uh, we had to make a decision that I could choose to make a decision, say, hey, should I continue to work and then become an employee or I should now uh, come out of the working world and then be an entrepreneur? And because I have Richard as my support system that he says, do what you love to do, just quit your job. And so I left. To become entrepreneur, I run an F&B outlet. So I went into restaurants, 
lounge, karaoke, and the, that, that kind of worldly world where <laughs> you, uh, I run restaurants, I, I operate a very uh, big catering uh, operation before I decided that I should again check and then quit and then left to join Richard to set up SR. Mm. So you had a plan. You had you were setting goals at that yeah. time. Because I'm going to, I'll tell you afterwards a quick little story, because I didn't know until I was 29 that I had a subconscious mind. I didn't know about goal setting and I found out and I it changed my life. So you knew what you were doing with your, with your planning. Totally. And look again, looking back at that time, do I know that was goal setting? I don't know. I just think it's the right thing to do that if you want to do something, put your heart, mind and soul don't be a quitter and don't just uh, be committed to do something. So if I decide to work, I will work and I will take stock. And then when I decide to uh, set up my restaurant business, same thing I told myself, uh, it's going to be a three years, five years kind of plan. And I I want to do it because I love doing it. I want to know if I know how to do it. And it's a three to five years plan. And come, I think, four years, because Richard has cancer of the cologne that, you know, you're willing to give up everything to look after him. So I left the restaurant business and jumped on to the helping Richard and while SR was just starting. You see? So, yeah, somehow unknowingly, the subconscious mind has led me, you know, that to set plans and milestones. That's crazy. So Richard had cancer. Had yeah. he already started SR? Uh, yes, it was the beginning stage. This is 1995 to 96. It was yeah. our early stage year of SR. It was scary. And um, again, we had this National Achievers Congress planned for three countries with Brian Tracy in Singapore, Malaysia, and Hong Kong. And, and then what happened with the cancer the everybody suggests we should cancel our event. Richard should not do this, but knowing who Richard again, who he is, once he's committed to something, he wants to finish it. He got permission from the doctor, the uh, the oncologist that can you set me up to take my chemotherapy treatment in Hong Kong, which was crazy, mm-hmm. right? But you know, after all the you know, objection, you know, we made plans and the doctor agreed that he was set up for him. So he did his chemo in Hong Kong. He flew to Hong Kong and uh, being a salesperson, he and the team there start to fill up uh, the room. And, and then we got a good turnout of 5,000 people in Hong Kong. And again, you know, things just worked out well because we didn't choose the give up route, you know, we we believe that you know everything we plan to do, we have to stick to it and make it work. Mm-hmm. No so matter that- what happens, as we said mm-hmm. before we started this uh, conversation or before we started recording, you can never choose what happens, but you can always choose how you want to react to it. And this is it. I mean, and Richard is, a, I don't, I have never met Richard in person, but I have seen him on Zoom with you when we were having global woman meetings. And I remember that he was once playing a song for us. He plays the guitar, doesn't he? Yeah. He's a he's a loving man and uh, he, he entertains me a lot with his guitar and all that. So I'm blessed. So got a good partner that, you know, we work together now. Uh, supporting each other, you know, the common 
thing that I always say that, you know, we work perfectly well as a team and that he's the head and I say as a neck to support him because <laughs> I think in this way we can coexist peacefully, you know. <laughs> I like that. I've always liked that. I've heard you say that a few times that, yeah, he's the head, but you're the neck. And that's important. So did you think when you started Success Resources, I mean, that was a big event, okay, 5,000 people in Hong Kong is a big event, but did you ever think that it would become what it is? Did you ever dream of, of it becoming that no. big? No. This is also a very common question asked for me that did I plan this. No, I think... It all started when uh, I, I'm my one of philosophy that I have is all about. If you do the small things right, God will give you the big things. Yeah. So it's everything you do. If you put your heart, mind, dedication to do it well, big things will come. So when we started the early days doing events from uh, Singapore, Malaysia, and Hong Kong and the Asian country, we just do it because there's a need. Uh, we want to do it, and then. We could do it and make sure if we do it, we do it well. Eh? And when we do it well, things will just come back. Uh, speakers will be happy to continue to work with us. Uh, partners will continue to work with us. And this is how we grew from uh, starting from Singapore, Malaysia, and Hong Kong, Indonesia. We went to the neighboring country and then later, of course, to Europe, uh, UK being the first country in Europe. Then from UK, the hub. We go to Europe and then um, Russia, South Africa, so on and so forth. So we never we never thought we would have done that size, that big mega event. And we grew into it. Amazing. And I was actually, before, to, to prepare for this, I was listening to an interview that you once had with Mirella and, you know, like how important it is not to give up because I am sure that some of the stuff that you did didn't always work out the first time. Not afraid to make mistakes, keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, you try a new way. It, you know, this country doesn't work and we probably did not understand the country well enough. You just have to change the way of working. Or some country just may not even work because they are not ready for the things that we are doing. And then we just have to move on and say next. And it's always about some work, some will, some won't. So what? Next. And we just keep going forward and backward, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly it. Instead, because you don't fail. Because you yeah. only fail when you give up. Exactly. Otherwise, exactly. it's just an experience and then you move on. Sometimes you lose a little money, but it's just money, you know, as long as you are healthy, you can continue. Exactly. Yep. And that's how we, we go country to country, traveling country to country. And uh, to today, it's been a really uh, awesome journey with all the experiences that, you know, I have in my life. <laughs> Is there a country that you could say where people were most hungry or are most hungry for what you do? I, I must say every country is, is the same. Human beings are all the same everywhere. We are just different size and color and shapes, yeah? But the heart and the mind is the same. You will always find a group of people who is so hungry waiting for you to come and wants to learn, right? There's also another group of people who's just very normal, say, I don't need it. You know, I'll do it my own. So I must say, I don't see... Um, any any country that is really rejecting what we do. So there's always like how ready they are. Probably example, uh, say maybe the first year that I go to South Africa, 
you will get a group of people to come. It's harder to build up because these are so unknown to them. And they are, they, that means they're not ready. So you just get a handful of people. But once this handful of people get the taste of it, with the with the marketing and the promotion, you you know, literally we force the borderline people to come and hear what we have to offer. Then once it catches on, then I think it's easier. So I think it's a process or progression of who you reach out. So I think every country people need the kind of education that we bring to them, the education of the mind and the heart and that the schools and the academy system doesn't offer. So I feel that every country uh, has this hunger and demand. I just have to go and move move on to new countries that doesn't get access to this information and they will want it. You know, I loved something you said. Now, I will tell you a quick little story. In 1989, I was a tour guide in the U.S., And I was between two trips. I was hanging around in a hotel in Los Angeles and I didn't want to go sightseeing because that was my job, you know. So I was didn't know what to do that day. And I walked around and I saw this public speaking seminar in one of the ballrooms. And I thought, oh, I do public speaking. I'm going to go and attend that. And I mm-hmm. went into this room and up until today, I'm not sure if I paid for that seminar, but I bought a book at the end. I know that I paid for the book. And the person who gave the public speaking seminar in 1989 was Tony Robbins. Wow. And he changed my life. Now, he didn't change my life. He made me change my life because people don't change your life. You change it. That's right. So I wish somebody could tell Tony Robbins that what happened to me, (laughs) what is it (laughs) so many 35 years ago? Is he one of your biggest uh, speakers? Yeah, that's right. Because um, over the years, uh, events with Tony has grew from, you know, the four or five thousand people now to 10,000, 15,000 people. So it's really massive. Yeah. So we've been working with Tony for a long time. And unfortunately, with COVID, and uh, we have to suspend some live events like one in Birmingham, the UP, the firework event one in Australia, Sydney. So I think oh, we we have to, now that the market, we are opening up, we are making plans to, you know, bring back again, start all over again. So yes, Tony has always been one of the bigger events that we have been running all over the world uh, in uh, Success Resources. Amazing, amazing. I, I mean, when I look, up, look back at what happened to me there, it was a very, very important moment of my life. See, most people... Precisely, they don't know that, uh, you know, this education can be self-learned and taught. But on their own, sometimes people just don't think it's important to do it. Then sometimes that's where you need friends around that well, as this experience will coax you, to push you, to even drag you. We say if you have to trick your friends and drag them to such event, uh, you, you never know. It will pop, you know, that the time comes, they will realize how important this um, education on the mind and the heart can help you to bring you to a new level. I totally agree. And I also believe, you know, sometimes when I give a little presentation or when I speak to people, I know that these people know all the things that I'm saying to them. They've heard them before, but they Mm. need to hear them again because just because what do we say? Knowing and not doing is not knowing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So So, you, you 
Yeah. It's important to to keep it, hear it again and again and again, and there is nothing wrong. And, and you know, what you do is really, at the end of the day, what you do is what ed- the education system should do. I believe children should learn meditation at school. I believe there should be emotional intelligence classes. You know, there should be, but then you would be out of work. No, I'm sure. I mean, there's always there's always room for everybody, you know. So totally, the, yeah. The school system, I think, has also realized that it's just the intensity they want to bring this in, and how do they balance between academic and personal development? Yeah. So, I I think hopefully more countries uh, can adopt that and. Uh, maybe the F- more affluent country realize that they could do that, but I'm sure it will catch up over time. I, I'm sure, with this whole pandemic lockdown, I think the self awareness of uh, well being is uh, very obvious these days. Oh yeah, I mean, we who would have ever thought that this would happen? We nobody expected it. I mean, it was. I think it really showed us how unimportant we really are. That it's up to us to make something with what we are. Yeah. True. So this whole lockdown, family is very important. I think yeah. family, because you you are locked down in a home. If you have a family, you have a partner, you have a spouse, then you only have them to rely on and for your connection. Other than that, it's all virtual connection that is different, you know. So... I, I mean, for me personally, uh, I feel that the whole pandemic lockdown has got me to really appreciate the family better and um, respect each other better and understand each other better. So it turns out all good. So it worked out well for you because I know that for some people it didn't. They people, you know, there were people who actually got to know each other during COVID. <laughs> everything has got two sides of the story yeah it's again your perspective you you can complain and grumble and and some people get very fat and unhealthy during the lockdown because they got nothing to do no exercise but they chose to eat and eat and uh, binge but another part of it is uh, personally for me I I do eat a lot because it's fun but I have time now to exercise and to work on your mind. And I think it turns out to be, I think I'm happier. I I could lose the weight I want to lose. And I got back to the habit of exercising that when I travel, I never had the chance because we are so on the move, you see. So I think it's a choice that how you want to respond to the situation. Yeah? You want to be happy, you make the best out of it. You can grumble and complain and blame everybody and nothing's going to change yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is really how it is. Now, before COVID, or now you started a little bit again, you did travel a lot. You were like on the road all the time. Did you enjoy this? Do you like traveling? Do you like being having a hectic travel life? Again, I decided that this is what I'm going to do when the company is in the growth stage, yeah, that I if I want to travel, I like traveling. I think I like to see different parts of the world, but the question is, how do you want to do it? I can choose to take, buy a ticket and go for a travel package and be a tourist to go to a country, but that will also take time, a lot of money from that all. So again, device thought of this idea that I will every country that I want to visit or go, I must bring along a business. So 
I will example if I want to uh, I want to I want to go South Africa it's always my dream then I said I'll I'll bring success resources there I'll do a seminar there and uh, I want to go to I like to go to Israel I plan some seminar there so I like to marry the two things that is all about play about work and it's about changing life so three I always tell myself and my team that three things has to happen, you know, if we have to travel or work, that what we are doing, number one, are we changing someone's life in what we do? Number two, is it going to help us to make money? And the last thing, it must be fun. So I will try to integrate fun into my business. So if I go to, if I start, I I do a program in London, let's say, I must have fun in between. I must then, of course, uh, make money and then make sure that it's meaningful that the events I do will change somebody's life, touch somebody's life. So that's how I sort of marry those ideas and going to country to country. At the end, you ask me, I enjoy it. Absolutely. Not just enjoying, it's meaningful because, I mean, I know what we do has changed somebody's life. You see, So it's just, enjoy not just enjoyable but it's very meaningful purposeful that's beautiful and that is so true because you do touch people's lives and you make people's lives better or you help people making their own life better because I always make this a point because that's what I always tell people people who come to see me as clients I'm not going to be able to change you you will be able to change you but I can help you Sure. What you and I do is we open the door for them. Exactly. Step through and walk in because most people don't even know there is a door of opportunity or availability, you know. So I think you and I just open up doors for people or another way to wake them up a little bit, tap on the shoulder, wake up, wake up, wake up. (laughs) Sometimes they need a little push. Exactly. Because, (laughs) you know, people like to be in their comfort zone. So... Yeah. You need to push a little bit and uh, kick the butt a bit. Absolutely. You know, there's a beautiful, Dr. Wayne Dyer had a beautiful saying. He used to say, we all get a beautiful gift for our, when we are born. And some people hardly touch touch the wrapping. They never open the box. And mm-hmm. uh, that I think is a very, very important metaphor because it's important that we take it all out and have a look at it all and, and use it. Yeah. Be uh, vulnerable, be vulnerable, you know what I mean? Yes, and sometimes make a fool of yourself. Yeah, true. So, well, I think we realize that we are all a bit inhibited and has a fear. So that's where the problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you and I, I mean, as I do a lot, work a lot with women and women, I often feel that they are more hesitant to take a risk than men. Do you, do you think it's fear? I think it's fear. It's fear of, uh, I, again, it's a mindset thing that we have been conditioned and with the mindset that we are, with, you know, for me, my culture is we are seen but not heard. So we tend to not speak up. So that's where these are the in, things that inhabit us or limit us to be where we want to be and should be. But I think things are changing. Uh, what you know yourself, myself, Morella doing in the Global Women Club is one good example that see there's so many successful women who already done it, and also a lot of women are opening up going that route, and it's our responsibility to just pull all these women along with us, you know, 
Oh, it will change with education. Yeah, we just sometimes need to hold their hand for a bit and then they can suddenly walk on their own. And I I love watching it. And that's what I love seeing in the Global Woman Club. You know, when they come the first time and they are shy and this, and then suddenly they just, you can see it in the posture. It's a shift. You can see how people start standing up. And I love watching that. That's the beauty yeah. of what we do. It's our responsibility, uh, Elizabeth. To do it. So Bye. tell me, tell me, Veronica, do you... All these places that you visit, do you have a favorite place? Is there a place that you love to go to that you um, like more than others? Or do you just like traveling? I don't have any particular place I like to go back again, again, again. But no, but I, I like traveling. I like to explore definitely new places. I I don't, I like just let my my spirit flow that, you know, if if I have to go to, if I go back someplace, why do I need to go back now? If it's if it's a family trip, then of course I'm happy to bring them back to the places I've been because I've got lots of friends and I know what is what to expect and all that. So I don't really have a specific place that I I like to go back all the time. You know, for example, if some Marella says come back, come to London as an event, I'll go. Some uh, friend says. Uh, I'm getting married in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh. And would you like to come? Then I look at my schedule. It's okay. I'll go and just uh, enjoy the the moments and the process of going there because there's always something to learn and some new people to meet or even not. Let's catch up with old friends. That's beautiful. And uh, now, since your first long distance flight was to Athens, another question: Have you ever been to Cyprus? No, I have never been. I Remember, I sent Richard there, but I was, I never been, I love to, I'm looking forward to visit you in Cyprus. You have to come and visit me. I would love to show you around and you could combine it, you know, because people very often don't realize how far in the Eastern Mediterranean Cyprus is. We are only a 40 minutes flight away from Tel Aviv. So if you, you could combine that. Yeah, definitely. I, I heard so much about Cyprus and you have two parts of Cyprus, right? That, yeah. you know. Is it? Yeah. So I and definitely it will be one of my destination and uh, I hope it will be very soon. I'll let you know. I would love to. I'm having an event on the 18th of November because it's the Global Woman Club Cyprus third birthday. Think All about right. it, Veronica. Okay. You never know where, where uh, the wind takes us. <laughs> I will be in London in November, but I don't know. I think we have okay. events around that date. So let me, let's we'll keep see. It we'll see. But it's, it's, uh, Mirella is coming. She's going to tell you to come with her. So, okay. <laughs> so. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll mark my calendar, November the 18th. Eh? Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. So I think we're coming close to the end. We've covered a lot of interesting stuff. What's your five-year plan? <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the area of business, you heard it at the Global Women's Summit. I'm working on eForest, which is D5 Play to Earn web-based game that we are working now on marketing you know we started now marketing just in Asia and very much like another event we will probably be bringing it to all over the world so that's on the e-forest where it's a play to earn game a crypto base where you play a game to solve two big issues one is to solve the climate the planet and the other one is to overcome inflation because it has this passive income element of 
a referral system. So that's the main project I'm working on this, uh, on business. Uh, on the personal plan, I probably in the area of travel, since related travel, I got, I probably want to make a plan to take three months off on this cruise the, called the Peace Boat. Wow. It's a, it's a 90 days plan, uh, days that I have to, uh, so Richard and I are working towards that to free ourselves if we could go on this 90 days uh, peace book tour, which is around the world tour, which I, I'm working on that. And then God willing, if I can do it, that's something I uh, we want to work towards the end of the year. So that's about all. Otherwise, it's all about work and integrating with family and play, you know, and catching up with Global Women, you and Mirella and all the other leader um, directors that I look forward to. That's beautiful. I love the idea with the peace peace boat and I wish for you that it works out because that sounds like a wonderful plan around the world. Yes, that's right. On the cruise of 90 days, you know. Fantastic. So, So I think I got from you what I wanted. I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know that you're a busy lady and I thank you for being with me today. Thank you for being on Most Memorable Journeys. Anytime, anytime. My pleasure. Yeah. So uh, similarly, I wish you all the best and all your uh, listeners all the best and that, you know, continue to tune into your podcast because I was going through some of them. They are so valuable and I say it's memorable and we learn from each other through uh, all means not just live event but even through listening to a podcast podcast like that can also be impactful to life so thank you so much Elizabeth for having me and thank you Veronica lots of love if you enjoy my podcast please like share and subscribe to my channel you will find all the information in the show notes